Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Cat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 59, Petty Larceny Seems So Petty. This week we're discussing season 4, episode 1 of Buffy, the Freshman, and the 2009 Doctor Who Easter special, Planet of the Dead. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. Okay, so season four, mm-hmm. very exciting. Yeah. We're approaching the kind of midpoint season, I guess. This whole season is sort of midway for Buffy. Yeah. Very exciting. Yeah. Um, so I kind of wanted to start talking about like what goes into a season premiere. We've talked a little about that with um, Doctor Who, kind of how each season seems to kind of start in in a similar sort of way and they might be changing out characters and fiddling with like nuance but you can kind of see like okay what does a doctor who or at least under davies what does a doctor who season premiere look like Mm -hmm. um and i hadn't really thought about that for buffy because um on the surface they don't seem to have as much in common but i think now that we've had now that we're on our fourth season premiere, I think I've identified mm-hmm. a theme, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is common, at least to maybe only excluding the actual series premiere, but that's because it's the series premiere and it we don't really have any context yet. Um, but everyone since, um, it seems to me that the, each season starts with Buffy... Um, being sort of for some reason because of the end of the previous season and the whatever happens over the summer she's not really herself in some way and then over the course of the first episode she becomes buffy again um so i'm thinking of uh when she was bad which is season 2 mm-hmm. um she comes back from having been away for this for the summer right. and she's kind of adopted this not very Buffy-like way of being. You know, she's, um, you know, kind of thrown the the good slayer out the window and is kind of embracing a more reckless, you know, um, you know, kind of, I guess, like, more of a reckless teen type, more of a dangerous person. Yeah, and, and sort of tied to the fact that she died, right, in the in the season finale of season one. Um, yeah, no, exactly. Right, and it and it always tight. leads Yeah, like it always leads from what's happened. So it's always like she's dealing with the aftermath of something and there's something which is blocking her from being herself. And then you know, maybe not fully, but usually by the end of the episode she's kind of back to being Buffy again. So then even more explicitly, I think Anne last year, mm-hmm. you know, she doesn't even call herself Buffy anymore. Right, you know, she's right. Anne now. And then you get that very iconic by the, you know, climax of the episode, you know, what's your name? And she's supposed to say she's no one or something. And she says, I'm Buffy, the vampire slayer. And you are, you know, right, so right. it's like, and you get that kind of like, yeah, like she's reclaiming her Buffiness. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So, um, and this, I think, is even though this isn't quite as dark as those or those two episodes, 
this still kind of, I think, follows the same pattern. Like, she's not... And he, she even says in the episode to Xander that in high school she was Buffy, the vampire slayer. But here, she's just the freshman. She's just one of a crowd. And she's out of her element. And it's scary and uncomfortable. Um, and, you know, you kind of get that with her feeling lost and out of her depth and unable to deal with these vampires who normally she should be able to deal with no problem. Um, but then again, kind of like at the end of Anne, you get that moment at the end of, you know, hey Buffy, do you need a hand? No, I'm good. Like that kind of moment of, oh, okay, she's back. Like, you know, and it's almost like that's the show saying to the audience, like, we've been away for the summer, but here it is, she's back. Yeah. And they always make a big point by the end of the episode of saying, here's Buffy again. Mm -hmm. Like, being Buffy and doing her Buffy thing. Yeah. So Well, and um, it's interesting because in both uh, the former hiatuses, right, between season one and season two and then season two and season three, she's yeah. she's gone away, you know, like you said, with, with um, when she was bad – you know, the summer before that, she had been visiting her father and wasn't right. doing the Slayer thing, right? It right. was right. Uh, whatever. And then with Anne, it was, yeah, absolutely trying to run away from, you know, yeah. all of the supernatural stuff and only to realize that you can't really run away from it. It's still there. It might be a little better hidden than in Sunnydale, but it's, you know, there's still stuff all around you. But here we get explicit references to... Uh, the fact that she has been slaying all summer and even, and whether it's an excuse or not, she, she says, um, you know, one of the reasons why she hasn't picked her classes yet is because she's been heavy on the slaying. Right. Like, so we, yeah. we do get the sense that she's still kind of been doing the Buffy thing all along, but I think, um, yeah. and in this one, I, I, and, and I'm not, I, I think you're right. I think your sort of thesis is, is accurate here, but I think, in this case, it's more about being Buffy in a new setting. So it's and I think that's what I was going to say is I think it still works because with those other ones and even actually the series premiere works with this too because it's her coming to Sunnydale. It's a right. new place. She hasn't been there before. And then in the season two and three finale or premieres, she's been away and she's coming back. Mm -hmm. um, and here, the, it's it's change slightly it's not she's been away and she has to come back it's she goes somewhere new right. so instead of returning to sunnydale and being buffy again she has to learn how to be buffy in a new setting altogether right like she's fine being buffy when it's in in summertime in the graveyard and she's still kind of a high school student but you pluck her out of that and you put her in the college setting and she has to learn that again Right, um, right. So I think even though the it's kind of slightly inverted, it still works with the pattern. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think, and and I think that that is a good way to sort of look at even the series premiere, like you said, because we do have a story beforehand. Even if you, so, even discounting the movie, we know that there were the comics and stuff that were more canonical or whatever. Yeah, and and that you know it was, you know, like she was this Slayer person kind of thing, but didn't really get into being who she was until she came to Sunnydale and met Giles right. and all of that. So, right. Like now it's, it's moving beyond and it's, and, and there's sort of the metaphor that works with that, right. Of, of now she has graduated, right. We had 
graduation day and and all that yeah. where you have kind of the big ceremonial mm-hmm. whatever and and so you know there's the big monster that they killed and everything and now it's like oh okay but now we're in a world beyond high school how do i take the things that i learned whether in the classroom or extracurricularly you know yeah. uh and apply them to this bigger world of college and and beyond and and that's I think definitely where where they're going uh, with this episode yeah. and and setting it up for that freshman year. Um, and we were talking yeah. a little bit too about how um, focused on Buffy this is, even for yeah. a show that's named Buffy the Vampire Buffy. Slayer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, there are a lot of episodes where Buffy gets maybe equal weight with some other characters, or even mm-hmm. less weight than some other characters, and yeah. and. But this one, there's no doubt. It's the freshman singular, yeah, yeah, you know, and it's, uh, you know, not uh, really. I mean, everyone who comes into it is relating to Buffy in some way, or she's relating yeah. to them, or, or trying yeah. to. Um, yeah, yeah, she's in almost every scene, I think, and and even just thinking about how we were going to go through the story, you really can only talk about it in relation, you know, all the various characters. It's how Buffy's relating to them in this setting and everything. Right. Um, so, yeah. And like you said, the title kind of points to that. And and it's something very anonymous, the freshman. You yeah. Know? yeah. Like yeah. she has no identity beyond being a freshman. Right. Um, so which, it's kind of. Which sort of plays is, into the whole episode as well of the leaving, you know, the people leaving before you really yeah. get a chance to know them or before they really figure out who they are kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. But before we get into those themes, I did want to mm. m- mention a couple additional, while we're just sort of on the topic of series premieres and whatever, um, obviously, you know, this is a series premiere. So um, I just want to note that of the Buffy seasons, um, this actually had the second highest Nielsen rating of the various season premieres. Um, the first highest, or just the highest, I guess. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. being uh, Anne, which we were just talking about. So mm-hmm. um, this this came in a little bit a little bit lower viewership, uh, or at least a little bit lower rating. Actually, the viewership might have been closer because um, you know each year the the actual number of people that a Nielsen rating represents sort of changes. So okay. um, even right. though the rating itself was a little bit lower, it might have actually been a little closer than I was thinking in actual number of people watching but right right um that's neither really here nor there i mean we've sort of mentioned yeah i always take them with a with a grain of salt because it always seems to me that with those types of ratings not always but sometimes it reflects more on what came before than the actual episode so i almost want to say not that you know people like like this doesn't say anything for or against the episode but I would almost want to attribute that to a successful finale. Yeah. You know, like a a finale which satisfied people and generated interest and excitement Mm -hmm. will lead to a highly viewed premiere, you know, or if you have a really strong week, it makes people want to come back for the next week and that can even bump the ratings up. Right. So I don't know that they always uh, have to do solely with the quality of a given episode, you know, like it has more to do with, what is kind of currently hitting the zeitgeist, I guess, but yeah. Yeah. And just because um, we've talked so much about sort of the, the, 
um, you know, uh, stunted or, or, uh, you know, the order of the episodes and sort of when they aired and stuff at the end of yeah. season three with earshot not airing until September, um, the part two of graduation day, not airing for the first time until July, but then that got re-aired. So you had earshot, um, right. and the two right. and the season finale, um, in September, right before this aired. Right. Um, so at that's the beginning generating of a buzz so and everything. Yeah. This, yeah. this was a little bit later, um, you know, airing, it, it was October 5th, I believe that would, that this, uh, premiered, mm. um, and so you get, yeah, maybe just a little bit more uh, with that as well. So, yeah, you know, again, I don't know how much that matters. Just wanted to note that it did get that second highest rating. Uh, also, we get, of course, uh, title sequence changes, uh, notably yeah. with the disappearance of David Boreanaz and Charisma Carpenter um, mm -hmm. moving to Angel, which we'll be talking about next week. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so so those are sort of notably missing, but you know, you still have the main, you know, core characters. You have, um, you know, Anthony Head and and uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, of course, and and Allison Hannigan, and and um, good God, Sanders' real name escapes me. <laughs> Nicholas Brendan. Nicholas Brendan. Man, that was horrible. I'm ashamed of myself. <laughs> uh, and Seth Green. So you know, I mean, still yeah. a good solid core in there you get some new images right we get pictures of anya yeah. and spike are in there which may or may not have anything to do with what happens <laughs> this season um yeah even though we know that both of them do come back so uh <laughs> you know i mean so there's you know very i think sort of visually right up front you get that change you know again yeah. as well right it's it's the the first i mean there there have been sort of title sequence changes but it's been very similar and i think this is the mm. real really the first time where you get kind of a major overhaul of that title sequence so just wanted yeah. to sort of point that out as well although even though david boreanaz does not appear in the title sequence i will note that he does appear in this episode yeah yeah for that kind of half second yeah um yeah. and and they do it well because he you only get his profile and then mm. it goes to Buffy and then you look back and it's someone Some else. Some other guy. Yeah. 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 Um, but that is his profile. And in t I mean, obviously intentionally, you know, used in that way. So um, uncredited, just, you know, very sly, sneaky Joss yeah. Whedon being uh, well, and Joss wrote and directed this episode too. So uh, he's, yeah. he's sort of doing his usual stuff. Um, and all that said, though, I will I'll, I'll I'll say out loud what I said to you, you know, before the podcast, you know, this this isn't my favorite episode, mm -hmm. um, you know, of Joss's that he wrote and directed and whatnot. Like this is just kind of it's a decent middle, you know, mm -hmm. ground episode. It's it's not I don't think it comes in as strong as any of the season or, you know, the series premiere included any of mm -hmm. them, really. I mean, um, yeah, from season one to season four, there's definitely changes in production value and just overall. But yeah, I, I would just say from an opening of a season, it's it's OK. It's kind of lackluster, but not, you know, horrible. It's certainly not the worst episode, but it's it's not yeah. it's not ranking I, I would, up there. I would I would rank it a little higher just because um, I did think it was especially funny even in a show that's funny all the time mm -hmm. it, it struck me as 
particularly funny sure. this week. So I think I didn't mind that maybe the plot was a little bit more lackluster or it wasn't quite as ambitious in its themes or its ideas just because I had a good time, you know? Fair enough. Um, Fair enough. And uh, something which... Yeah, and I don't... We can talk about that again when we get to Doctor Who. Something (laughs) which I think Planet of the Dead is going for and doesn't quite pull off. Whereas I think this episode does pull that off. So I kind of don't even notice that it's a lighter episode. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean lighter in terms of like humor. I mean lighter in terms of like not doing a whole lot. Of substance, yeah. Yeah. Um, If you're going to do that, then you might as well be... Uh, funny and entertaining so yeah. it does that so I actually like hadn't it, does, it, it it's not until we've been talking about it that I've really thought about the fact that it is a little bit especially when you compare it to like when she was bad and Anne which even though they were premieres had a lot of serious mm-hmm. you know drama going on as well um so when you do compare it to them you kind of realize that this is probably the, the the weakest of the three but it's so funny that i didn't care <laughs> yeah i got i got too much joy out of the out of the freshman humor that um right right that i i just sort of went with it so yeah no and i don't mean to like crap on it either like i'm not saying it's a horrible episode or anything it's it's certainly not you know demon puppets and stuff but <laughs> no that's true <laughs> you know so so you know, yeah, I think you're right. There are definitely some great funny stuff. It's a basic, basic episode. It's right in the yeah. middle, I would say. And and we can go from there and talk through it, I guess. Um, okay. So where would you like to begin? Well, well, we might as well start at the beginning. It's, it's um, the best place, I hear. This is the very best place. So, uh, yeah, so we get um, Buffy and Willow, uh, you know, going over classes and stuff and and all the stuff with i just smiled the whole way through like the first like 20 minutes of the episode with like going over what classes they're gonna choose and going you know to the orientation and all the the people and the flyers and because it just so much of it rang true and you know um just the little bits of witty banter that they get up to like talking about like they're getting distracted with with the idea that this professor is renowned and (laughs) how do you get to be renowned and first there's the painful nouning process before you can be renowned well and Um, and it's funny because like with stuff like that i mean of course we get the witty banter you know along with buffy but but there is a sort of like it seems like they've sort of stepped it up and it is that very freshman like looking way too deeply into yeah. you know yep. uh yeah, mundane yeah, yeah. Like, sorts of things like yeah, well, how does like, one become renowned and you know it's like come on <laughs> yeah yeah um we've all um, been there we've, well and and talking there. about like renowned like i'm sure she is a renowned professor but like you're picking your freshman electives like you're not right. choosing like you're not like you know gonna embark on any like yeah. doctoral level research with right. her or anything right right this um, isn't pro- postgraduate you know study no um and and buffy's you know okay the modern novel that means i'd have to read the modern novel and probably more than one <laughs> you know <laughs> like, and that's funny uh, because we like we get right she says that but then later in the episode she she references dada Estart, you know and it's like right what? right like 
Right. Okay, whatever. Right. Uh, you know, slight, slight take take that with a slight grain of salt. Yeah, there's just a uh, little bit yeah. of, I don't know, yeah. discontinuity there maybe. But um, yeah, yeah. No, it is funny. I, I, I and like you know anyone who's gone to college has been you know they're trying to figure it out. Um, and, yeah, and then the, and then the, all the different protests about everything and and have you accepted christ as your savior i I meant to and then i just got right busy and right right and you know not to mention that she you know is handling crosses all the time and you know like there's all this like you know catholic or like pseudo-catholic imagery and stuff and like what she does with the you know right vampires you know the holy water or whatever you know stuff like that that, that's that's her way of be, just being nice about it. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh, I'm going to get on that. I, I meant right, to. Right. And then I just got distracted. Um, and then the stuff like, you know, uh, Willow is excited about her on-campus boyfriend. And, oh, I forgot to pick up my on-campus boyfriend. Like, they're like as if that's just one of the requisite right. supplies you have to it's get. It's one of the lines um, that you have to stand so, in. So I just enjoyed all that. Um, and then I liked seeing... Um, not that I want Buffy to have a bad college experience, but it kind of was refreshing to see Willow so in her element, you know, and it, I hadn't really had any predictions about what are their reactions to college going to be. But as soon as I kind of was getting into the episode, I was thinking, you know, Willow would be one of those people who is totally awkward through high school and then gets to college and blossoms, you know, like this is... Yeah. What she's it she that she's in her she's in her element here. This is where she's meant to be. Um and there's something even though like it's not like anything particularly intellectual is even going on, but just the idea of being at college is empowering to her and thrilling. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. so even though you you get kind of the idea that Willow's a little bit um oblivious to Buffy's, you know, difficulty in this episode you kind of can't fault her for it because it's so nice to see her enjoying herself that right. way you know and feeling comfortable and uh yeah just even just the idea that she connects with riley on a level that buffy doesn't you know and and it comes so naturally and you think there's no other context where that would be the case right you know? right well and I like, i love that line where she says you know high school in high school knowledge was frowned upon you know you had to work hard to learn anything and it's like yeah yeah you kind of did like you know the yeah like she kept and we've talked about how you know willow kept getting sort of taken advantage of and and all whatever and now you get the feeling like not in a bad way but now she's the one who's going to be taking advantage right uh, taking advantage of the opportunities that are available to her and and that you know she can um you know, actually be, be someone who sort of flourishes, like you said. Um, Mm. and we don't have to get into the whole extended euphemism that she uses, uh, about knowledge and its effect on her, but, uh, (laughs) spurty knowledge. Yeah. Spurty knowledge. (laughs) Um, but the, uh, no, I think you're absolutely right. It's, it's, it's great to sort of see Willow so engaged and happening. And then also like sort of, 
on a much more muted level Oz as well, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And, yep. and you do sort of forget that he got held back. Like he, well, exactly. He failed. So that's why he so knows everybody. He knows yeah, everyone yeah. and his band is playing, you know, at all the frat houses already. So, you know, yeah. he, and, and you, you like how he's trying to be like cool about it and, and yeah. sort of like encourage Buffy. He's trying Buffy. to be sensitive. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh yeah, you know, it's new for me. Oh, hey Todd, you know, or whatever yeah, the yeah. guy's name is. Yeah. You know, it's just like, you know, he knows everyone. He's, he yeah. knows where everything is on campus. He's been there. He's, you know. Right, right. Um, yeah, yeah. So everybody is in their different way. Everyone is more comfortable than Buffy, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. So, I mean, it kind of means that you're with Buffy the whole time because she's the one who's feeling sort of lost and out of place and everything. Um and we've all been there, so you kind of start to identify with her as she's going through. Yeah. Um, so, let's see. Where shall we go next? Well, okay, let's, since we mentioned R Riley, I guess we should. So that's a, that is a name that I know. Okay. Um, but I don't know a lot beyond Wait. that he has that name. But you don't know that you know him. <laughs> I don't know that I know. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah. So I, I know, I think I know enough to expect to see him, you know, fairly often this season, if not beyond that. So um, we'll see where that goes. Yeah. I mean, well, like you said, so you, you brought up that he and Willow sort of connect uh, yeah. on, on the whole psychology you know interest in knowledge level and we know he's a ta so he's a little he's obviously not a freshman right he's older he's a graduate yeah. student presumably and um or, or at least an upper level uh you know undergrad and yeah i think i just assumed he was like an upper classman but i guess he could be yeah we don't really know exactly yeah we how don't far ahead he is we don't know he's at least a couple years older we'll say than mm -hmm. buffy and willow um, yeah yeah and um and is, yeah, like by virtue of getting along with Willow, at least knows who Buffy is at this point. Yeah, um, yeah, and, right. But it's as Willow's friend, <laughs> right? And uh, right. So again, that that lack of name, you know, Buffy's still until the end. She's just a freshman. She's she's Willow's friend. She's not Buffy, you know. Right. Um, Right. And so, right. So he's a TA in a class that Buffy's taking. So yeah, it's not a far stretch to think that we might run into him again. Um, mm. Yeah. Okay. We'll see uh, where that goes. But uh, yeah, I, I would be surprised if, you know, as much, as long as we've been watching Buffy, you know, sort of together at this point, and I know you see and tweets. And on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I know you see tweets, yeah. you see Facebook posts and stuff. I would yeah. be surprised yeah. if you had never heard the name Riley. I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. put it that way without offering any, you know, opportunities for spoilers. Um, yeah. And we know that there's some holes that need to be filled with people being gone. So, you know, sure. you also get a new roommate, right? You get... Um, yeah. You know, Buffy and Willow aren't roommates. Yeah, which, which I was surprised sort of that seem, they weren't. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, so you get a new I guess, roommate I guess, and Kathy. I guess that makes sense. Like, even though it's kind of like, eh, would that, you know, you kind of can't imagine that they wouldn't be roommates. But I suppose you want to find ways to include other characters and, you know, 
expand the playing field a little bit. So yeah, um, um, and you get so yeah, and 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 it gives you the opportunity to put in more college humor about you know like having the roommate that you've never met and you don't know what they're going to be like and you know getting someone who's you know maybe not quite on the same wavelength as you (laughs) yeah and learning to live with someone else if you especially for Buffy who's an only child you know so suddenly she has this you know roommate who okay so she likes Celine Dion that's not quite what maybe Buffy would have hoped for but (laughs) but but even just the practical things of of snoring and talking in her sleep and like that's new of sleeping with in the same room as somebody else and um, well and even just given how secretive Buffy is about and and now this is another person to hide from yeah Um, yeah. and, and we even get sort of a reference to that right Buffy um I think says to Willow, maybe I, I don't remember who she says it to, but but mentions that you know Giles says she has to sort of be in undercover mode again, right? You yeah, know, like, like secret secret identity girl or something. Yeah, like so. Yeah. So we're going from everyone in high school yeah. knows who you are, even though we may not have said it all these years. You know, yeah. we know who you are, and we know what you've done for us, and we appreciate that, and we're going to help you fight this evil monster too. Yeah. Now nobody except a select few yeah. who already know yeah. can know anything yeah. about it. So, you know, uh, we get Sunday, you know, steals all her stuff, including her trunk of weapons that she's had in a room with this new person who she doesn't know. You know, yeah. Yeah. how awkward will that be if Kathy's coming back from a shower or waking up or something and seeing Buffy pulling an yeah. axe out of <laughs> Out right, of her right. Trunk, you know, or something like that. So right, or comes back looking really beat. Like she has to sneak back in after that fight with the vampires, with her sort of hurt arm mm-hmm. and and black eye and everything. Right. And and this is someone in her bedroom, you know. So it's not someone you can really hide from. Yeah. Um, and would just point out too that now Kathy has met most of the Scoobies, right? And even Xander gives her a hug, right? You know, so yeah, yeah. Um, except. Except for Giles, I think she's met them all, right? So it's it's like yeah. she's she sort of knows all the players by now. Riley right, knows right. a couple of them, but you know, isn't fully sort of introduced there. So again, you know, it's I'm not saying they're taking the place of Angel and Cordy because that's yeah would be going too far. But you do sort of have these gaps that need to be filled, and and mm-hmm. you know maybe th- these are like two possibilities who might you know, be able yeah. to, to sort of step in uh, to those roles in different yeah. ways. We don't want them to be the same, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, but just a, just a, a, just throwing that in there, I guess, would mm-hmm. be what I'd say. Yeah. Well, and we also get, even though Giles is still there, we get a, a teacher featured as well. Um, so in a way, not not replacing a a hole that needs to be filled or anything, but you get the kind of college equivalent of the, the teacher, you know, so, uh, college Giles. Yeah. College Giles. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So we get this, uh, kind of, um, tough psych teacher. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. She is. She's kind of a hard ass, isn't she? Cause she, um, you know what is, she says make no mistake i run a hard class i assign a lot of work i talk fast and i expect you yeah. to keep up you know this this is kind of an early giles ish 
you know, um, you know, attitude of, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm here to, I'm here to guide you. But if you, if you do what I say, we'll get along. All right. If you don't, you're going to think I'm a jerk and perhaps rightfully so. But not, (laughs) but, but seemingly, um, fair in a way that the pop culture teacher Mm. wasn't, Mm. you know, he's kind of, yeah, good contrast. The, the, yeah. the, the nightmare version of what college teaching will be like, you know, of like, right. you're going to get singled out and humiliated and completely arbitrary and all these things. Whereas Professor Walsh seems like the kind of person that will put you through the ringer, but, you know, at the end, you'll come out better for it. You know, that's my first impression anyway. Yeah. Um, you know. Like, I don't get, the, I don't get the kind of, uh, I got more of a positive vibe from her as opposed to the, the pop culture teacher who clearly you thought, you know, this guy is drunk yeah. with his own power and, right. you know. I mean, he's teaching a class on pop culture. Come on, dude. Yeah. You know, like this yeah. isn't, yeah. well, and of course there's sort of the meta, the, 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 the meta element of, you know, Buffy yeah. taking a pop culture class given exactly. the amount yeah. of pop culture reference well, that Buffy itself I, makes, you know, but. And the fact that Buffy is part of pop culture too. Um, but. Right, right. I, exactly. And, but, and I thought that, I thought of that when. Just it, it's like he's introducing the class. He's like, well, we're not going to talk about, you know, like I forget exactly what he says, but it's like, you know, these are the things that we're not going to talk about, and we're certainly not going to watch commercials for credit. And and he's like, but we are going to talk about. And then that's when Buffy starts whispering to the person next to her, so you never get to hear what it is that he's going to talk about. So right. I kind of thought that was a little wink, you know, that what. What Whedon thinks would constitute a pop culture class doesn't really ever get explained. He just, like, leaves that unsaid. Um, the fact that the dialogue cuts out right then, I kind of thought that was deliberate. Yeah, I would not be at all surprised if that were the case. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I think that's um, definitely a good contrast between the two. And, and yeah, I mean... We so okay, yes, we have another older, wiser, presumably all wiser, you know, person who's, um, yeah. yeah, like you said, you know, tough, but seems at this point to be someone who's going to be fair. And, you know, uh, like you, you even get that reference of, you know, Buffy saying, Oh, is she gonna yell at me? And Riley's like, Well, it's not on the lesson yeah. plan, like, that's just yeah. not that doesn't seem to be her style to have that sort of arbitrary. Um, yeah. you know, uh, calling yeah. out of someone for whispering in class like that just doesn't yeah. seem her style. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, um, and then with all the emphasis, um, on psych in this episode, is that Willow's major? Do we ever find out what Willow's major is? Uh, um, we don't find out specifically. Um, I think psych is just like you said before, it's just sort of the elective that they're taking, Yeah, you know, and I is a Buffy, I think who even says, um, you know, that it, you can take it as a science or whatever, or maybe it's even Willow who says, that. I can't remember which one of them says, it. but, um, yeah, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think we actually get what Willow's major is. At least I don't remember if we do. Okay. Okay. But yeah, no, I there like, is, I was curious. There is that moment of, 
of yeah, well, of Buffy, I think, who says, oh, yeah, you know, Miss who had her major picked out in kindergarten kind of thing, right? Right, like, right, right. And then the fact that Willow's kind of convincing her to take Psych with her and, and she seems interested in this teacher's uh, body of work and everything. It just kind of, it's it sparked me to wonder what Willow's major would be. Um, well, and that just so, seems like Willow, right? Of, you know, yeah. someone who's, you know, taking a class by a professor and so reads everything on that professor, whether it's her major yeah. or not. <laughs> yeah, it could definitely be. So that's, that's, I was just curious. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so, <laughs> the, so the main thing that I noticed, like the thing that really uh, jumped out to me as this episode was going on was Eddie. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And, 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 I, I think I texted you because I he looks a lot like Ethan from Lost, which uh you and I have both watched. Um mm-hmm. and but I couldn't I wasn't convinced. It was like I'm pretty sure that's him, but in certain angles I couldn't tell. And then uh looked him up to find out that it wasn't Ethan, but it was somebody else who I know and I've been enjoying his performance as Oberyn Martell, uh, or the Red Viper on Game of Thrones. Yeah. And I would never, with the difference in the accent and the characters, and uh, I would never in a million years have placed that. So, there you go. That was your weird, unexpected crossover for this week. Yeah. Um, No, and that's, I think I texted you back and said, holy crap, you're right. I thought it was Ethan too. So like, I, <laughs> they look I, how, a lot alike. How many times have I seen Buffy and I yeah. hadn't picked up on that? Yeah. Um, yeah. I totally thought that it was Ethan from Lost, and yeah. and you corrected me on that. So props. <laughs> hey, well, IMDb corrected us both. Um, sure. But uh, but you anyway, you at so least had I the was, curiosity. I was kind of disappointed. Was that? I said you at least had the curiosity to actually look it up. Well, because I think I knew that he was familiar. and But there was one part of me that thought, I'm not convinced that it's Ethan, mm. so I need to know. Um, so that was how I found this out. Um, but anyway, so I was kind of disappointed that he uh, ended up dead after about five minutes because <laughs> I yeah. like him and he's a good actor. And I've sure, you know sure. enjoyed him on Game of Thrones. And it was... It was a trip to see him so different, you know, um, so kind of awkward and, you know, right, teenager-y and American. and <laughs> Right, right, because in Game of Thrones, he is so confident and, you know, laid yeah. back and just kind of and yeah and buff <laughs> and buff and, and seems quite a bit older, too. You know, yeah. like, he, well, even, he is. I mean, he is older, but even just the way he his presence is very much older. Like yeah. there's none of that, that adolescent awkwardness, you know? Um, right. You don't see anyway. O'Baron getting lost in the dark in sunny day. I don't see O'Baron needing a campus map to anything. You know, right. I think he knows where he's going. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. But to talk about actual Eddie, the character, Eddie. um, so, I was disappointed because I think the actor's really good. Um, and I think he, like, did a good job with, like, he and Buffy had a nice kind of really awkward sort of chemistry. 
um, where you do kind of hope that, oh, this is, I love that line of, I, you made a friend. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, that's hilarious. But um, you do kind of feel like that. You kind of feel like, oh, like, this is somebody else. You know, finally somebody who's at least admitting that they're as awkward and uncomfortable as she is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this could be a, a kindred spirit or another friend or a possible new Scooby, you know, like... A, a, a different kind of person to expand the group a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, as Buffy says, of course, you know, about two seconds after she leaves him, he gets, you know, Captured eaten, and eaten by the vampires. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and then comes after Buffy and, and she takes care of him for good. Right. Um, so... Yeah, and there's yeah, that there's that a... brief look of when she realizes, like she sees him and sort of runs after yeah. him, and then realizes and is like, oh crap, now oh, I gotta kill yeah. him. You yeah, know? yeah, and, and and it's like as she's turning him around, she knows yeah, and what's it's gonna be been there. one yeah. day, you know, like it or even like overnight or whatever, you know what I mean? Like it hasn't yeah. even been that long. It's just in that short amount of time, um, yeah, you know that he got turned uh, by Sunday and her crew. What a wacky you know name for a vampire what a what a southern california name for you know someone who's going to a a southern university of california school right 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 (laughs) Um, well yeah exactly so uh hey it fits um yeah and her and her uh we don't really get names for the other vampires but they seem kind of also sort of parodies of of College. Southern California college Charles. students, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, right, you get the pothead. Like the one is the pothead, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you get the one who's like overly obsessed with her looks, but can't really pull yeah. off the, you know, yeah, uh, a little excessive comments about weight from Sunday. You know what I mean, like that. Yeah, that whole thing. Um, yeah, and then just kind of the others who are. Like they're into making fun of people, but don't really have anything of their own, you know, to go on. Yeah. Um, well, that's that, and maybe that is deliberately, deliberately shallow in terms of right. how that kind of, that kind of clicky, you know, we're better because we're slightly older than you type of, you know, that kind of. You're you're physically grown up, but you're immature and adolescent, yeah. and you're kind of they're kind of stunted at that age of adolescence, you know. And of course, they're living in the frat house and everything. Right. Well, and um, they're living in the frat house, but they're you know, I mean, obviously they're not students, and they're not, um, you know, they're they're sort of like they're themselves like the par- they're the ones who are the parasites, right? You know, like they're the yeah. ones who are living off other people stealing other people's stuff, not really contributing to society, but yet looking down on everyone else, you know, as yeah, yeah. being worse than they are. So yeah, you get yeah. this weird kind yeah. of, and you get all the, and you get all the, the stuff about, you know, freshmen being predictable that I, I like the bit about the collect the art sort of, print and it's always the same two things so it's right. keeping score of like all freshmen have buy exactly the same thing mm-hmm. and um which is on the one hand true enough to be funny 
you know, that you get the joke, but also, like, is playing into this whole right. holier-than-now kind of hipster upperclassman thing of, of we're so much cooler than you and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so just the fact that, like, you know, if this episode is about the freshman who feels out of place among the college students, the villain would be a clicky group of, you know vampires that prey on you know the the weak lowly yeah underclassmen and everything yeah um yeah um yeah so you know i mean i that's what's happening at school <laughs> yeah all of that uh but then we get sort of the other side of it right we get um you know so she tries to go see giles yes who has sort of moved on he sure has. By not moving on. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's a gentleman of leisure, so we don't quite know if he has any plans for any sort of employment. Yeah, gainful or, employment. Or and you, activity and, of, any, of any kind. And you almost have to wonder why, you know, like, uh, immigration services hasn't come yeah. yet, you know, and been exactly. like, what do you yeah. do now that your school has been blown up where you worked? Uh right. Right. We get someone apparently from his past yeah. who has so, shown up. Do we see her again? Oh. And or and if you can't say, that's okay. I'll leave that open. I won't okay. I will neither, um, neither confirm nor deny. And, and is it I mean I th- I guess it is deliberately unclear whether this is a friend or whether this is a girlfriend or an old girlfriend, how they seem pretty comfortable with each other, but then you don't want to presume, you know? So yeah, I, wasn't I think you sure, can presume you know. a little. <laughs> okay. I think you can presume. And I, I thought so. And I wasn't sure if that's something we'll come back to or not. That kind of, Hey, you know what? Uh, good for Giles. Although it, it surprised me a bit. Yeah. Considering like how, um, tentative the Giles, relationship with jenny was it then to suddenly walk in on this very casual relationship you know where he seemed very comfortable and nonchalant to buffy was sort of like oh wow i didn't note that didn't see that coming note that she calls him ripper well i did i did notice that um so you know again clearly someone who's from a previous era a certain a particular era of his past right and so there may be a sort of feeling of callback and and you're right to to bring up Jenny because there is a very different feel and you're getting we've we've already even seen sort of a, a relaxing of Giles's personality since he left the council. Well, that's true. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, like, no that's definitely true. So I, I would say those two things combined would would perhaps maybe account for those uh changes that that we're noting here but mm-hmm. you know it's worth it's worth watching we don't we don't get much from giles um you know he he sort of does the tough love thing like you know i'm here if you need right. me but you know you don't Figure it you out don't on your own. but you don't yeah. need me right now like kind of thing yeah. like it's it, it's kind of a weird sort of double message going on there um yeah and well, it, and then at the end, when he comes running and it completely backs out on it. <laughs> yeah, he, you know, we again see him being supportive. Giles, I was wrong. I should have helped you, and 
you know, to hell yeah. with self-reliance, <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to back you up. The evil, yeah. the evil's this way. The evil is this way. <laughs> Great line. Um. <laughs> yeah, and and just his his some occasional ineptitude of showing up, you know, twenty minutes too late, you yeah. know, but with such good intention. Right. Um. Right. Yeah. He shows up in time to carry a box um. anyway. Yeah. Uh. I yeah, and I love the the. What, I'm not supposed to have a private life? No, because you're very, very old and it's gross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Buffy's whole uncomfortableness in that scene, you know. Yeah. Like, just with kind of the situation, because it is very adult, I guess. But then also the fact that it's Giles. And she doesn't want to think about Giles in that context. And uh, that was not what she was expecting right. to find and everything. And it wasn't that long ago that she found out that Giles and her mother had had. It's you true, know. yeah. Yeah, she's finding out way more about Giles than she wants to. Right, right. So, kind of funny. Um, but speaking of her yeah. mother, too, she yes. goes back and and visits home, um, which she hasn't been gone from that long, but has no. already changed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, and... I think that's another relatable thing of you go off to college and like immediately your parents start redoing everything. Right. Um, right. You know, so it's still your room, but it's filled with boxes and packing crates and you yeah. can't, you, it's still your room. You just can't fit in it. Um, there's a, so there's a somewhat surprising amount of commentary in the academic literature around Buffy about that whole mother you know taking over the room kind of thing and it kind of spans the spectrum i won't get in because some of it has to do with things that happen later and and sort of the overarching you know ideas around patriarchy and all this kind of stuff which is kind of weird but um one thing that i that i did want to sort of bring up in that scene though is you know there is you know we've we've criticized joyce you know for not paying attention maybe as much as she could have, especially in sort of the early seasons with Buffy, yeah. like maybe she should have known more what was going on or, you know, um, even when she hasn't been as supportive as say Giles has been. But one of the interesting things I think gets highlighted here, especially that, that I've seen brought up. Um, I can't remember where I read this or whatever. Um, it is just the idea of that, you know, you get this, you do get a real sense of, is you know for as much as Joyce may be inattentive you also get Joyce as being you know a character who's got a life outside of you know yeah. what the show is and whatever and i think that's sort of you know one of the things that's getting pointed to here is that this isn't you know Joyce isn't just a character who is there to highlight what Buffy does but she has right. her gallery she has you know not much of a love life, but we've seen that she can at times have a love life, you know, and that kind of thing. And, yeah. and, and I think that that's one of those things that um, sort of is parallel to the Giles thing here that Buffy is sort of running up against is that, oh, wait a minute, there is, you know, things beyond my own life. Yeah. And that's sort yeah. of the, the, the growing up experience of going to college and finding out that, yeah. oh, you know, things don't just stay the same when I come back home. They, they actually are different. And right. Wait a minute. You, you actually do have other 
you know, stuff going on besides me, your child, mm -hmm. you know, like, yeah, especially yeah. for an only child, I'm sure. I don't know. I was never an only child, but, um, you know, anyway. Hey, when I left for college, I came back after like a month or two to like a new TV and redone carpets. And it was like, oh, you, so you just wait till I left till you bought all the good stuff. Right, right. So, exactly. <laughs> I can relate. I can relate to that experience of why didn't you do this a year ago? Um, but yeah. 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 Um, but I think you're right. Like it does show that Joyce is a well and not only is it good for her like from within the the show it's good for her to have a life of her own besides Buffy but also just from like a writing point of view that Buffy or I'm sorry Joyce they 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 take effort to give her a life of her own you mm -hmm. know to make to make sure that it isn't just only even though this episode is very focused on Buffy all the other characters have their own you know concerns and their own interests and and when Buffy's not there life goes on and things change and people you know make decisions and right. things like that right. so um yeah 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 and I guess she needed a spare room and Buffy wasn't using it so you can't really blame her right yeah <laughs> well I didn't move anything it's all yeah. it's exactly the same just it's there's still your room <laughs> more stuff is in there now so. Um, and also when she goes home, we get the little dangling thread of the phone ringing, um, oh, yeah. with no one on the other end, which I think I told you that when on the first run through, it, it sort of occurred to me later that, oh, we never find out who was on the other end of the phone. And I almost wondered if I missed something. Mm. Um, but on the second watch realized, no, they just haven't explained that point yet right. so um i guess there's nothing to say about it other than keep our eye on it yeah. um no i i will acknowledge that you're right they have not explained what that is okay and since you're not saying it will never come to anything i will assume that it will come to <laughs> something eventually um so it may <laughs> All right. I so again, Joss Whedon wrote and directed this episode. Yeah, I yeah. I think just sort of you know basic deduction. Laying the checkoffs, checkoffs, ringing phone. <laughs> yeah, I, you know basic deduction would tell you that that probably doesn't mean nothing. So what it means may not be apparent yet. Um, yeah, and it's not the only thing in this episode that we don't know what's going on with because right, right uh and maybe i'm jumping ahead a little more but we get the soldiers at the end yeah, yeah. i mean we only have like five and a half minutes left so i'm not jumping right too well far and that ahead. was and that was more of a a deliberate cliffhanger sort of ending of of yeah. you know we're gonna end on something mysterious mm -hmm. and and cut to black before you really find out what its significant is yeah um so, so yeah, we get the the last sort of remaining vampire, yeah, uh, captured by these masked soldier guys. Yeah, yep, yeah. Couple, um, couple little mysteries going on here. We, we do. I guess the only character we just sort of skipped over really quick was uh, Xander. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Who who <laughs> had a predictably uh, lackluster or or you know. 
anticlimactic road D- trip. Disappointing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then and then came back to everything being exactly the same, except I sleep in the basement and I have to pay rent. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that is kind of life after school, isn't it? Um yeah, so, Mr. You know, my plan is to tour the country doesn't get, yeah. you know, more than 20 miles away. Yeah. Has to <laughs> apparently he has to work in a male strip club and yeah. not even as a stripper, but as a as someone in the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, although there to, is a suggestion that it does. It does. That he has one, to fill in it, one night. He has to fill in, you know. Yeah. Uh, he says something about dollar bills at one point. Like yeah, nothing yeah, yeah. says thank you, like like bills in the waistband or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. So yeah, you kind of let your imagination go. Oh. Um, and he gets the nice little speech about the the what would Buffy do mm-hmm. speech. Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of sets right. Buffy on the road towards being Buffy again. You know, yeah. that's kind of what. You know, having someone there to say, I believe in you, you know, is kind of right. all she needed, really. That that whole, right, the whole going, leading up to the, you know, you're my hero yeah. is, is yeah. absolutely. And that's, you know, Xander. We've gotten past, I think we can say it this, well, maybe not completely past. We've gotten mostly past, you know, Xander looking at Buffy as a romantic, you know, yeah sexual yeah. object uh again not completely because we do get yeah. the suggestion about the things he likes to do late at night um right right but but you see that more as just more of a um something incidental at this point right. like yes right he still finds her attractive but that's not primarily what he thinks of her as anymore no it's it um, you know his his loyalty his his yeah. Um, you know, the inspirational aspect of Buffy as being sort of the primary thing that he's thinking of at this point. And the and sort of the enthusiasm of the well, let's get the gang together, you know. Event, right. that's Avengers what I Assemble, yeah. you know, like this yeah, is that, that's that's Xander is his his loyalty to the group and him being sort of action focused, you know, yeah. what can we do? Mr. Body Avengers Assemble, you know. Yeah. Um get the group back together kind of thing. Um, yeah. So, okay. We mentioned this. There, there, there are a couple little, um, weed inverse foreshadowings in this, which are kind of funny because they're not, they had no meaning at the time, but you get yeah. the, Avengers, the reference to the Avengers, you, you get yeah, the Avengers yeah. assemble who were, you know, yeah. of course, Whedon has, uh, directed the Avengers movie and, and is working on the right. second one. Now, um, you also right. get, uh, him saying to Buffy in that same scene, you know, once more with less feeling, which uh, right. once yeah, more with feeling. I've heard that title. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is actually the, the musical episode, the, the much praised musical yeah. episode that we will get to in time. Um, yes. And, uh, you know, so just kind of some funny little, uh, little foreshadowings. Right. I will note, that there are other foreshadowings, and I'm not sure how incidental they are, but mm-hmm. I will not tell you what they are yet. Okay. Um, it may be some we'll time. Back later. It may be yeah. some time. I'll just put it that way till they come into play. But there are also reasons to believe that even despite there being some time between now and when they sort of pan out. Yeah. I'm still 
there may be reasons to think why they're not entirely incidental. So yeah. any, anyway. And and Whedon being Whedon, that wouldn't surprise me at all. And I think we've seen things like that. Like things that are right. called back later that you realize well, it's, right. you know, have been hinted at a season ago or Especially know. because these are this is a Whedon directed episode. That's yeah. You know yeah. what what and written and directed. So, yeah. you know, that's sort of what triggers it. You know, to think that it's maybe a little less, but uh, you know, enough yeah. of my sort of coy uh, hinting. <laughs> I I don't want to give any other, uh, you know, thoughts about that at this point. Any final yeah. words or thought? We didn't really talk about Sunday, Sunday and the vampires too much. Um, yeah, um, I mean, they were pretty. I don't have a ton to say. I mean, I think they were pretty effectively threatening. You know, Sunday was kind of a pretty tough cookie yeah. you know compared to some of the other vampires that we've seen yeah. a lot of them are kind of bumbling um mm-hmm. unless they're unless they're up to the level of of the master or spike or something but a lot of the more low rent vampires seem to be more sort of easily defeatable than sunday was so it was kind of you know kind of cool to see like yeah. One of them give Buffy a run for her money and everything. Yeah. Um, she, but then equally, you get a lot of satisfaction by having Buffy just kick their asses at the end. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and and she's and she's nasty enough that you really want Buffy to to do her. You know, it's like, yeah. I mean, you want Buffy to stake vampires, and that's good. I don't. But it's like you don't really care. You don't have personal vendettas against most of them, whereas. They made Sunday unpleasant enough mm-hmm. that you get kind of a thrill out of Buffy's, you know, taking the whole group down at the end. Right. Um, right. So. Yeah, that that sort of bully that you just want to see get punched yeah. in the mouth kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, and especially when she breaks the protector award. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And yeah. that's the part where you're like, oh, no. Yeah, now you did it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And even Buffy's yeah. like, you don't want to do that. You didn't. Yeah, you touched me. And, and it's like you knew something was going to tip over, but I didn't really know it was going to be that. Um, honestly, if I had been putting money down, I wouldn't have expected to see the class of word again. Um, mm. So it was nice to get that called back and referenced and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also sort of, you know, the symbolism of you're not in high school anymore either too. Right. So, so what she sort of verbalized earlier of, you know, going back and, and sort of going back into hiding and now you get this, you know, you have to start from the beginning almost again. Right. Like you, you don't have sort of everyone from high school has dispersed. They've gone to their own colleges. I, you know, maybe a few have stuck around, but you know, for the most part, they're not in Sunnydale anymore or, or are doing their own thing. And so, you know, now you're back to the beginning in a way. Um, mm. And and just, yeah, so along with that, you get sort of callbacks to other things that have meaning to Buffy, right? You get the shot of, like, Mr. Gordo. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. the, the stuffed animal uh, yeah. that... Yeah, <laughs> uh, The sort of... That was sort of humorous in... Uh, oh, what episode was that where Angel... Yeah, I don't room. remember I which one, but that's from that. a couple seasons ago. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a while back. You also get the journal that um, yeah. you get, um, like, you know, that Ted had read, right? Or uh, right. Uh, the, right. there was suspicion that 
Buffy had that Angel had read it, but of course he hadn't and that right. kind of thing. So, you know, like like sort of these little callbacks to, to kind of say, you know, yeah, there are things that are a lot different, but it's still the same Buffy, yeah. right? It's still, you know, new place, new situations, new things that she's going to have to deal with. But same person. And that's, you know, sort of Xander's message all along, I think. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, so. Any, yes. Anyway. Good. Uh, well, yeah. So good. Like I said, I it's not my favorite episode by far. It's not a horrible episode by far. It's right sort of in the middle. Decent, you know, start. We, we get we're back with Buffy. So now we get to see sort of where does she take it mm-hmm. from here and um, how does she interact with this new and old set of people that are around her? You know, yeah. how does the change in setting affect her? How does the, how do the new people affect her? How does those changes uh, affect the people that she knows, which affect her? You know, like so that's all sort of in there and, and set up, and and with the addition of this mysterious camouflage group of mm. people uh who took down a vampire so that's yeah. interesting to find out what maybe they're up to so we'll we'll see but not for another couple weeks because next week we'd start with angel we do yeah um now now on to planet of the dead yeah doctor who um yeah. and so i know you had some production notes so why don't we go yeah. ahead and start with those and yeah, a couple quick things. Um, so we have a dual writing credit this week, which is sort of unusual. Um, I don't think that's happened before, right? I don't think so. Um, I don't think so. I don't think so. We're not not in the new series anyway. Um, so Russell T. Davies together with um, Gareth Roberts, who we know from the Shakespeare Code and Unicorn and the Wasp. Okay. Um, so you kind of know if his name's on it, it's going to be a comedy episode <laughs> sort of Gareth sure, Roberts sure. equals funny. Um, Although there are no so, literary characters. So that is true. No, this is a departure of genre for him. Um, and uh, so this, uh, like the last episode, this was another um, Hugo nominee for okay. that year. Didn't win. Uh, neither of them won actually. Um, it's the 200th, story of doctor who so if you count multi-part episodes as like you know whatever part one part two if you count them as one story you know rather than a single episodes this is the 200th story of all of doctor who together um so that's why the bus is the number 200 um Ah, and when the doctor says welcome home the mighty 200 that's where the doctor who magazine got the name for that poll that they did. Um, gotcha. Which came out in 2009, and this was the, the, the current story when it came out. So beyond this point, they, until as of like a week or two ago, the, none of the episodes past this point were included in that poll because sure. they all came out afterwards. Um now we have a new poll <laughs> with added all in the rest of the episodes and and shuffled rank and everything. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, since I've mentioned that, I thought it was worth mentioning that that mighty 200 is a, a quote from this episode. Um, this was also um, the Easter special for that year. Um, so it broadcast on the Saturday before 
Easter Sunday of that and, year. And the first Easter special was yeah. Were there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was... Yeah. This is the first. This is the first um, special episode that isn't a Christmas special. Okay. Um, okay. It's it's a different kind of special. You know, everything else has either been has always been in the season proper, or they did their Christmas special. Whereas right. this is in that season of specials that they did, and so. You know, it's kind of like they wanted it to air in the spring, so they picked a holiday, basically, and mm-hmm. said, well, it, it can transmit then. Right. Um, so, you know, April 11th or whatever. Um, which means that uh, the poor Doctor Who fan community in 2009, it means that it's four months between the next Doctor and Planet of the Dead. And then the next special is an autumn special, it didn't air until November. So you had four months break and then seven months afterwards. Yeah. So this was your this was your lone episode in an oasis of right. emptiness on either end. Um, well, I mean, they had have been... 199 other stories to air in between those two. I mean, you know, they had yeah, plenty yeah. of Doctor Who to watch. It's just Exactly. But... <laughs> it, it, a dearth of of new Doctor Who yeah. that year. No, I'm I'm um, being facetious, obviously. Yeah, there's no call for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, anyway, just wanted to point out that I'd mentioned that they did that. You know that these specials were sort of spread over the year because there was this change of production teams and stuff. Um, so this is sort of spaced. You know more dramatically throughout the year, you know, but the episodes didn't run right after the other. They kind sure. of spaced them out. Um, so this is also the first episode filmed in HD for what that's worth. Okay. Um, and they're all in HD from this point on. Mm-hmm. So I think you can kind of see since certainly since if you think of like Rose, the show's gotten better every single year in terms of its visuals, like both in terms of the, effects that they have but mm-hmm. also just the look of it you know the the film that they use the the cinematography the filters you know all of that just looks more and more you know the first season looks very much like british tv mm-hmm. whereas now with better effects and better cinematography and now hd camera it is looking more and more sort of cinema quality um right so you know just kind of worth noting that that's kind of Improving incrementally. Um, so they filmed this episode in Dubai, which is kind of exciting. It was kind of a big, you know, location shoot. You sure. know, they don't normally go that far away for the locations. Um, so, you know, you can get really good sandy vistas that you can't get in England. <laughs> and um, so and a fun piece of trivia, actually... The bus wasn't meant to get destroyed. It was supposed to be just normal, but the bus that they shipped to Dubai had like a packing crate fall on it and it totally like ripped the bus in half and wrecked it. So they, and they couldn't afford to get another bus out and they didn't have time (laughs) to get another bus out. So they had to write in a reason in the script why the bus is damaged. And then they had, they had a duplicate bus for the shooting in England or in Wales so they had to destroy that bus too, so that the buses would match. So, um, just kind, kind of worth funny. noting. Um, but how did and, they get the packing crate to fall in the second one in the same exact way? 
oh, no, I, it must have been a nightmare. Yeah. Um, so, um, anyway. And so all of that, I think, is kind of interesting. But it also kind of brings up another point that um, as I was doing, like, the watching this episode, and I try to, if I can, watch, like, a commentary for it or behind the scenes, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and it did kind of strike me that... Um, about like halfway through the episode, whoever was doing the commentary, they suddenly kind of stopped and said, you know, we've been talking about production notes for this whole commentary. And for the, like pretty much the whole episode, that's mostly what they talk about. So it does kind of strike me that, in my opinion, the script for this episode is rather weak. Mm -hmm. um, and most of what's interesting about it from like when I was watching the behind the scenes was the production things. It was like, what was going on behind the scenes is almost more interesting than what goes on on the camera. <laughs> like, sure. It is things like the location shoot and, and they had problems with the buses and they had problems with sandstorms and all these different things. And that kind of eclipses what, you know, what actually happened. I don't think it helps that it's in that special season so you have this huge gap on either end so it kind of puts an unfair amount of weight on this episode to be really good um yeah but i also don't know that the script does itself any favors because i think it tries to go for something kind of like with the buffy episode it tries to go for something really kind of light and fun mm -hmm. um but it's it just feels kind of uh, weightless. Um, and, and it's not even fun enough for me to forget the fact that, you know, it's not so fun that I'm having like a great time and don't care that like, it's not advancing much of the plot or you right, know, right. whatever. So, you know, maybe I have similar feelings to this as you have too. I think I'd be a little harder on this one than I would on on the Buffy episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. And when that said, that said, I think there are, there are bits of it and moments of it that I like very much. So it's not to say that there's nothing good about it. And also I'll note that I'll watch a crappy episode of Dr. Who over most other things. So like, this is all on a sliding scale. <laughs> yeah, sure. And, and I, before you had told me that I even had brought up that, it seemed like the setting and the monsters and the aliens <laughs> were all yeah. sort of throwaway, right? Yeah. Any any sort yeah. of swarming monster alien creature would have worked. Any sort of setting really, I guess, would have worked. I mean, yeah. you know, it's just a plain, desolate, whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, now I want to make a distinction because I do think... And I think maybe that's the problem with this episode is they put all the emphasis on the visual stuff and not on the enough enough emphasis on the story and the characters because I do think it looks great, you know, sure, like sure. it it's worth it to go to Dubai, you know, it looks fantastic. You can tell they're really there, they're not in a quarry, they're not in a green screen, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like it I'm not saying that's not a worthwhile thing um but i agree like in terms of the setting not physically where they set it but the setting doesn't have any like the fact that 
what the planet is and what its history is and its people don't matter. Like, right, right. At all. And I think right. that's what you mean by that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and you even get in the story, you get, you know, the doctor sort of throw away. Oh, it's beautiful here. You know, like yeah. it's a beautiful planet of the dead, you know, like it. Yeah. And it is. You're right. It's sunny. You get, you know, you, you get the Lawrence of Arabia kind of, mm-hmm. you know, you know, the expansive dunes and the, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. You know, the the fly alien things, I mean, kind <laughs> of funny, but, you know, kind of like a small step above Absorbaloth. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, like, sure. okay, they at least look better than the Absorbaloth, but yeah. really, I mean, they're just big flies and haha, let's make a joke about them eating crap. And, yeah. you know, yeah. like stuff like that. Like, okay, but any right. sort and of again, and again, they're funny just looking there. alien that didn't yeah. speak English would have worked like it. And, and again, they, they are there just to get a few to the, like, they're, they're just there as kind of plot coupons or whatever. Like they're well, there so they, that there's a ship so that there's a ship so that they can fix their they bus. Can salvage. And, right. and they, and they provide a little bit of exposition. Um, right. But they don't really have much at all to do with, anything else right. in terms of you know the, right. the the story or as characters or anything right so all of that said after all of our sort of pissing on the episode um the story of it i i do want to talk a bit about the doctor and just sort of so this is one of the sort of insights that i got from this is this is now the second full episode in which the doctor does not have a true companion, which we've not had yet to this point. So this is, you know, we're getting uncharted territory. Yeah, we are. We're we're getting into this new area with the doctor where he's not, not even not looking for someone, but actively pushing them away. Yeah. Um, You know, before now, I, I mean, just the one episode, where we first meet Donna, the runaway bride mm-hmm. episode, you know, would have been the closest thing. But even then it's like, you know, like she goes to the TARDIS and is in the TARDIS and, you know, yeah. travels around and he saves her and this and that and the other thing. Like, like we don't even see the TARDIS until the very end of this yeah. episode. So it's, you know, it's not like the doctor arrives and he saves someone or whatever. It's like, nah, he the whole running into Christina incidental you know what i mean like they just happened to get on the same bus and things went downhill from there yeah it it's not any sort of he's he's not looking she's not looking to be with someone she's running away you know from the cops or whatever but you know it's not like you know what he's doing he's perfectly fine on his own i guess yeah i guess almost like the beginning of rose in a way, you know what I mean? Like we have the doctor in the middle of some grand adventure, mm. uh, not really looking for anything. Right. Uh, but then again, you know, that's when he meets Rose and, and even from the beginning of that episode, you get this feeling of he's perfectly happy meeting Rose and, and right. You know, bringing her sort of along with him. Although he does sort of push her away at the beginning, you know, of that episode, right. but no, I, I, I think it's huge, like, 
and and I'm gonna say it's seismically huge that he turns her down at the end. Yeah, because that's definitely the, like I'm saying that's a pivot point. You know, like we've seen him be on his own. Sure, we've seen briefly. Him be, we've seen and we've seen him be resistant to the idea of companions. Like he is kind of prickly with Rose at the beginning, mm-hmm. um, or. Or same thing with Martha, you know, he kind of seems to accept Martha not, like, there maybe is a bit of him that's still, you know, not sure that he wants a companion, but but Don has told him he should have one, and he feels like he should. Right, you and, know? and initially with Martha, it's, okay, you did me a good turn, so I'll... Yeah you know, give you a ride in the TARDIS, but right. Right. And then a relationship develops from there. But, but even so, so it's not like he is inviting every person he meets or like, you know, and we've seen him turn people down in the sense that he, Mickey wasn't invited or, or he didn't really want Adam to be there, but he had Rose in that case. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like he was saying no to the idea of any companion of any kind. Um, Um, And even in like voyage of the damned, like Astrid was going to go with him, but then she died. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Right. There's circumstantial things like, like Madame de Pompadour or Astrid or, or he invites Joan and she says, no, you know, that there's reasons why people haven't gone with him, but this is definitely, I think mm-hmm. a huge thing that you have someone who, and we can talk about more about Christina and her character and everything, but you have someone set up as, Clearly, she's meant to be the next companion. Like, she, she ticks all the boxes. She fits the mold of of whatever that should Companionship be. Companionship or whatever. Companionship, yeah. yeah. And, and who wants to come and is asking to come. And there's no circumstantial reasons why she shouldn't come. Um, but you get him refusing just for the reason of... I don't want you. Um, and, and not because of her, um, but because, of, and I always think this line is kind of deliciously ambiguous. The, the line about people have traveled with me and I've lost them, lost them all, never again. And I always, it's a tiny little distinction, but I always kind of wonder what the emphasis is on there that never again, what is it never again with the people traveling with me? Or is it never again with the losing of people? Yeah. Like, which which verb there is is being negated? Right. You know. Well, and 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 sort of the one flows into the other. If if he never has a companion, he can never lose a companion. Exactly, right? and that's and, where you get they're related. You know that right. if I and we've, I mean, clearly, Journey's End was kind of a rough go, um, and then we get you know, in the next doctor, him talking about, you know, why don't you have, you know, what happened to all those companions? Right. You always had someone with you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they, they leave or, or they forget or, or they get left behind and they break my heart. And so here we get him saying, I'm not going to do that anymore. Mm. You know, never again, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, and how do you stop that from happening? You don't take them on board. You know, you don't let them on. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and right. And you even get um, him saying earlier in the episode, you know, oh, we were made for each other. Right. You like yeah. this is 
we're kind of perfect together and and you get the flirty and the kiss and yeah you know all right, of that kind right. of stuff that that definitely points you towards it and and since you kind of went to the end i i wanted i wanted to talk about that because i in anticipating what he's gonna say because mm. because you do kind of get the sense that he's you know by the end that he's not going to bring her along but but when you're getting to that point and when I was getting that point and anticipating what he was going to say as the reason why he wasn't going to take her, I totally mm. did not call it right. Um, I was thinking back to the whole, you know, she's a thief and she's, you know, the excitement of stealing is fun, but it's, she's really doing it for the money, right. And really mm. doing it for the lifestyle. It's not, it's not just, that she wants to travel and see things. And so when she kind of says, no, no, you're right. It is, you know, I want this sort of thing every day. I don't, you know, need whatever. Like I didn't take that as wholly genuine or wholly, um, yeah. you, you know, sort of, uh, earnest. So, yeah. Well, uh, and I, and maybe and, we should finish with the doctor before we get into Christina. Cause Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I guess that's I'm talking about the doctor in a way because I took, I was thinking that that was the reason he was going to give for not wanting her to be along with him, right? But then it's not the reason he gives. It's it's no. it's about the companions and the losing them, and so you sort of find out that actually, and and he's he's kind of cold too, and that's yeah. that's why I was thinking along those lines because he you know she's like well you know i'm gonna get arrested and he's like so yeah yeah and it's like so what yeah you know yeah and it's like well okay you're not losing a companion but you're being kind of heartless here dude yeah but at the same time she is a freaking thief you know what i mean like it's right, not like right. she doesn't deserve to be arrested so right i i think this points to a larger problem which is the christina character and and i think there's issues with the way it's written and Frankly, with I'm not a huge fan of Michelle Ryan's sure. performance. Like okay. I think there and, and I think there's issues in the script, but I think there's issues with she's not very likable. No. She's just not. No. And and I think that's not that every companion has to be immediately likable. Um because, you know, Donna was a little bit abrasive. I really like Donna in The Runaway Bride, but she can be a little tough at first and then she softened over time so i'm not saying like every character needs to be like a perfect rose copy or something yeah but but i think the point i think the fact that she's difficult to like undersells the 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 how big of a turning point it is for the doctor to refuse her because mm -hmm. i think what you're supposed to feel is that you want her to go with him and this is a big deal that she's supposed to be perfect for him. They would be the perfect team. And could you imagine in all these things? And you're supposed to be gutted and devastated that he says no. Whereas the fact that she's not that likable, I don't think, makes me feel like I kind of don't want her to go with him because I don't <laughs> like her that much. Um and I don't think that's intentional. I think that's a mistake. You know, like, you almost wish it was someone 
as as painful as it is to to have the end of like like for instance Madame de Pompadour it's some I think she's meant to be someone like that like someone that you feel like you know you're you're devastated that she doesn't get to go yeah um and I think that would have I like I like the ending of the doctor's refusal because I think that's a hugely important piece of character development but I wish her character sold that a little bit more yeah you know like if she was stealing something that it wasn't just so that she could go turn around and sell it on the black market. Like, yeah, that, or like she, maybe there was a more so noble kind of, reason for. It, yeah. She wasn't just so snooty the whole way through, you know, yeah. like, hmm. like there's just lots of lines about, and well, I mean, we might as well talk about Christina. Like there's other things to talk about, but like just so many things that rub you the rub me the wrong way. Like lines about, you know, cause she's clearly, you know, she's, an aristocrat, that's fine. That's no problem. But then when you also give her lines about, you know, saying to the Carmen and her husband, well, you don't look like millionaires or, um, oh, you know, right. or, or, you know, the right. doctor's talking about how like a million people were pulverized into sand and it's in her hair and that's what she cares about. Like, I don't think they went out of their way to make her, it seems like there was a minimum of effort to make her particularly likable. And we're supposed to like her, I guess, because she's sort of adventurous or whatever. adventurous yeah. and hot and like, but she's not, there's nothing. And, and I don't think like you could see someone like that being fun, but I don't know that Michelle Ryan pulls it off. Sure. I think she mostly comes across as kind of annoying <laughs> So it's the only thing I don't like about that ending because I just wish it was someone that I really cared if they, and I, and I do think that's a mistake. I don't think that it's supposed to be that he's refusing her because of any particular flaw in her character. I think in terms of the character development, we're meant to see this as he's just not taking people on board anymore. Mm -hmm. And, and it doesn't matter who he meets and how perfect they are for each other. Um, you're nobody's allowed back on the TARDIS at this point. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I see what you're saying. I, and I, yeah, she's not a very empathetic character and she is competent. I mean, clearly, you know, from Mm -hmm. like a sort of burglary perspective and, you know, she has all the, like, you do get the sense of like her backpack's bigger on the inside, you know sure. what I mean? Like, yeah, like yeah. There, there is a sort of a, a callback to there, like, oh, you know, she has all these fun little gadgets that, yeah. you know, prepares her for anything, and she's always ready to be on the go. And you know, her backpack is kind of her version of a TARDIS that can, you know, yeah. help her out in any situation. But, but yeah, there's a real distinct, um, I don't even know what you know, to describe, you know, how she, as much as like, you're right. I think that, that they try to set her up as being a perfect companion for the doctor. She does lack the sort of immediate likability that Rose, Martha, Donna all had. Um, and, and so I guess the question sort of becomes for me is like, you have to sort of wonder though, because you know, the whole thing is about, 
companions who go with the doctor are changed by the doctor. So how mm. would she have been changed? And maybe that sure. was almost the point. Like none of sure. the others were the adventurous type. They were the immediately right. likable type. So maybe right. this is the adventurous type who has sort of a blemished right. history. Right. Who's, you know, so whose journey would be one. Right. Right. Whose journey would be one more towards learning that kind of empathy. Yeah. Right. So, know? right. So her story wouldn't necessarily be about learning to step out on her own because she's already able to do that. It's more about learning to, to do things for the right reasons or for the right way. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Martha, she's already on her way to being a doctor. She already has sort of that, you know, taking right. care of people thing. Rose has sort of the, you know, lower middle class sensibility and, and sort of seeing things from, you know, that perspective, you know, and, and has that empathy sort of built in Donna. Yeah. She's, you know, not necessarily the most likable person, but we see, you know, that, that kind of empathy within her, especially after, I mean, okay, maybe not in runaway bride, but like, you know, by the second, even by the end of the runaway bride, I think with her, with her insight into the doctor, you know, right. Definitely started to hint at well, and, having more depth and more maturity. And definitely by the time you get to partners in crime where she's yeah. actively seeking him out because she knows that she's missing something that he can provide, you know, yeah. can help her with. So, you know, with, with Christina, you know, that's, that's the thing. It's, it's the, she already knows how she's having adventures, right? She's going out doing things on her own in a way you almost get, she's no river song, but you get Mm -hmm. that sort of feeling from her. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like she is someone who is perfectly happy to lead an expedition to whatever place, but she has a completely different motivation for it. And that's the thing that it seems like maybe the doctor could have helped her with. Yeah, uh, you no, know. and that's true. Like, even if, even if she is not as immediately likable or empathetic, you could imagine that being a compelling story. And I guess that's the disappointment: is if you refuse these companions, you're not allowing a relationship to develop. Yeah. You're 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 kind of putting up a wall against the possibility of any sort right. of meaningful change. You know, or or any sort of meaningful relationship between the two of them. And I guess maybe that's why I was thinking that that's why the doctor was going to refuse is Mm -hmm. is because I was sort of thinking along those lines of of. Right. That it's more to do with her than she's already adventurous. So that's not what she needs, you know, from the doctor. And that's not why he needs her. You know, it's more it's more about learning that. But but in a way, like that's also maybe something he can't give her at this point because he's not all that empathetic at this point. I mean, not, I mean, he helps everyone and whatever, you know, I mean, he's still running around doing his thing, but, but like there does seem to be a sort of a sense of loss there that he doesn't seem to quite have the same frame of mind as he did before. So, and that's where, and that's when he says, yeah, it's so I don't lose people. It's, 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 a sort of a fear of gaining that empathy for other people. Cause he doesn't want to feel what other people are feeling. Right. He wants to not put them in that place because then 
he'll lose yeah. them and and that'll hurt yeah and i don't know i i don't know how far i would take a loss of empathy because i think yeah maybe that's not the, the right way to of, say of, it but yeah well and i was thinking because one of the big points i think of the next doctor is his empathy for Jackson. You know, that's really what comes across, like in those scenes of him telling Jackson his story, explaining to him what's going on. You really get a feel for the doctor feeling for him. You yeah, know? yeah. And and so, but it is definitely, I I think he's willing to feel for other people in their pain and in their loss, but what he's refusing is the possibility of his own loss, you know, like, you know, he's still empathetic. It's his own issues that he's sort of refusing to deal with, I think. Yeah, I guess my my only point would be is you can only be so empathetic without feeling it yourself. You know what I mean? Like, that's right. Well, I'm not saying this is this makes sense. <laughs> I'm just saying, I think there is a slight, it's, I don't think, I don't think there's an appreciable difference in his willingness to, he seems to still be engaging in the world, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, he still, to an extent, goes places to an extent, but, but there's, but there's a sense in which he wants to go out into the world and change it, but he doesn't want to let it in to change him anymore. And, you know, and that's kind of my point is that, is that you can only be so empathetic without letting the world in and changing you too. You know what I mean? Like that. Right. And it, and it remains to be seen. And is that even true? This plan is, (laughs) is that even true empathy at that point? You know what I mean? I I don't know. I'm not, I'm not trying to make a determination there. I'm just saying that that seems to be all part of the question at at this point of of how the doctor's acting and, and going in specifically to the, to the decision of whether or not to allow Christina to go with them. And he says no, but you do see a reversal of his sort of cold heartedness in at least letting her and helping her escape from the authorities. So, yeah, you know, there is something of value that he seems to see in her with that respect. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know, whatever. I, I, you know, it's a one-off. I don't expect to ever see Christina again. I would in fact, <laughs> be surprised if we ever saw her again. So, you know, that's, that is what it is. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I just, that not, so again, to just sort of reiterate, it wasn't the fact that he refused her in accompanying him that surprised me so much as uh, the fact that the reason for his refusal yeah. that surprised yeah. me in that instance. Right. right. Yeah. Um, but yeah. anyway, sort of rounding out the doctor, we need to talk about Carmen. Yes. Like the rest of the setting and the aliens and whatever, most of what Carmen says we, <laughs> doesn't matter. No. Um, you no, know, another, she, another plot coupon. Yeah. She, she, she is, Make no mistake, she is there for that last episode, the, or that last scene. Yeah, yeah. the last scene yeah. where she says, something is returning. It is returning. It is returning from the dark. And then, Doctor, he will knock four times. And you get the, uh, your song is ending, which is, mm. uh, uh, you know, uh, a coda of the Ood song. 
so yeah. to speak. Um, so the, you know, yeah. And I've said it and, before, you know, I mean, RTD has been teasing us left and yeah. right with regeneration yeah. stuff. So this is another in the long yeah. string, you know, is this what, is this another knock? Is this the third knock or the second <laughs> knock? Or if he's knocking four times and who's knocking and no, I'm guessing right. that that refers to something else, not the number of times our Russell Davies teases us, but, <laughs> um, Although well, I wouldn't and, be surprised if it referred to more than one thing, but, you know. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, a couple things. Like, again, I mean, we keep, we've keep we talked about the tease for a long time now, um, so this is another instance of it. And again, I just want to remind everybody that, like, this isn't usually how regeneration goes. Like, it's not usually something which is reiterated episode after episode until it happens it's usually something that happens kind of out of the blue um mm. so again we're getting this constant reminder you know and the doctor's getting very not just the audience but the doctor's getting very blatant ominous reminders right um and uh i want to point out too that um it's it's an echo of what Ud sigma said but it's slightly different because what Ood Sigma said was, um, your song must end soon. Um, whereas here it's, it's your song is ending. So there's that slight change of something which is inevitable, but still kind of in the future and even sort of hypothetical. Whereas here it's something which it's, is it's occurring. Started. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, present which is kind of, yeah. which is kind of interesting, you know, like what kind of, does that mean and and the kind of advancement in time which that suggests mm. um and and too like the fact that it is it is ending now so but he's not regenerating so what does that mean you know like the fact yeah. that like how can it already be ending well um, and the only thing so sort of the thing that made that i thought of in that on on that sort of train of thought of how can it already be sort of in process is that he's already started dying and we saw him sort of shoot his regeneration stuff into the hand. Mm -hmm. But like maybe that had some longer term physical effect on him that is mm -hmm. already sort of working internally that he's maybe not aware of yet, or maybe he is aware of and just doesn't want to admit it. And so we don't know right. it yet, you know, like there, yep. or I could be wrong. Maybe there's some, maybe it's something else that was set in motion. That's not part of him physically, but it's, you know, something in the events of that whole regeneration and, you know, final, you know, season four finale of, you know, with the Dr. Donna and all of that, like there was a lot of time flux stuff going on there. So like <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe it's more of an event thing, you know, it's a trajectory of, uh, you, you know, a domino effect that that's going to come back around to knock him over at some point that we just don't see yet. Yeah. Um, and all, and all good thoughts. And and you know, of course, the the reference back to the song. Yeah. I don't remember how much we talked about it, but songs are subject to time, right? I mean, songs yeah. have a time signature, and they occur in a time. You know, it's it's a uh, it's simultaneously, you know, uh, uh, an extemporaneous event, but also has a specific 
time to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like there's there's this idea of time passing in the very concept of a song. So yeah. Yeah. very, very ominous and all of that. Um and yeah, you can ignore pretty much everything Carmen says, but that last bit <laughs> seems yeah. pretty important. Yeah, pretty much. Um and um a couple other little like grammatical things too. The fact that uh it is returning, but he will knock four times. So, you know, are mm. it and he separate things or the same thing? Um do you have any thoughts about he will knock four times or or just gonna let and see how that unfolds? Uh no, nothing nothing specific about knocking that I can think of offhand, so no. No. I Okay. That's okay. There's probably something obvious that I'm not thinking of maybe, but I Uh well we'll we'll wait and see. Okay. Um No, I didn't And then I, I guess you know, and I didn't even the it is returning. You know what? I it is returning through the dark. We get the, so, you know, okay, starting from turn left and then forward, we get the whole, the darkness is coming, but this is something coming through the dark. So like, mm. like, I don't, again, that, like the whole idea of something coming through the dark made me think of that, yeah. you know, whole darkness, things going dark, you know, reality ending, that kind of thing. And that, and that's why I was sort of thinking like, you know, did that set off some sort of events? Because like. Maybe right. not everything was accurately resolved in that situation. So, like, yeah, what what could be coming back through there? I mean, I don't think it would be like a Dalek or anything. Um, <laughs> but I've thought before it's probably not the Daleks, and of course it was, or the Cybermen, or yeah. you know whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, could be something coming out of the Time War. I mean, I'm not without ignorance that this is the end of Russell Davies era and he's sort mm. of the one who invented the concept of the time war. Right. So, true. you know, is there something related to that? Like if, if we think about the time war being, we, you know, he says it's time locked, but we know that at least one Dalek has made it into and one Davrek made, made da, Dav, Davros made Davros. it, yeah. made it out of the time war. So like, yeah, there, you know, that could be the darkness, you know, that they're talking through something coming back from that dark period of the doctor's life. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, um, so, yeah. I, you know, any of those things, I guess this is just me sort of freeform thinking yeah. Yeah. about what all of those could mean or any of those could mean. And I, it's all to say that I have no freaking clue. So, <laughs> you know. All right. Um. Okay. One other thing I want to mention about that, and then I have something else about the doctor that I want to bring up, but um, mm -hmm. I don't, and this isn't like anything I feel too confident about, but I just think it's interesting that you kind of notice that he is very cold with Christina and he sort of lets her get arrested and doesn't really make eye contact, all that stuff. And then it's after this very sort of dark, ominous warning that he changes his mind and turns around and lets her go. So you kind of, mm. I always imagine that there's a little bit of a, a connection there okay. that 
there's some continuity of he refuses the companion, he gets a scary warning of doom, and then <laughs> he kind of turns around and helps the companion out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't the, get like the would there's be no, companion. Yeah, the would be companion. So there's not any. I don't want to make anything too huge out of that, but you know, I think you can kind of see like a little bit of thought progression there of kind of, there's something about maybe Carmen's prophecy that sort of softens him a little bit, you know, towards Christine. It's kind of like, Oh, okay. (laughs) Almost (laughs) like like a facing of your own mortality, you know, you know, like it's kind of like a little hard to be cold towards other people when you've just been told this kind of stuff, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, it it makes him kind of be a little bit more empathetic again, you know. Um, and and that's interesting because sort of coupling that with your, you know, again warning of that this sort of thing doesn't typically happen where the doctor kind of gets warning and prelude to his own. regeneration or song ending i mean we're taking the whole idea of his song ending meaning that he's gonna regenerate into a new thing which is a sort of death even though he remembers you know and and whatever he's not the same person afterwards right so right well and i would point out you know the doctor doesn't know whether this means regeneration or whether whether this means true death you know Fair the doctor doesn't know what's coming um, right because presumably he he could die absolutely die, yeah die. <laughs> yeah like, yeah certainly um, um that is a possibility so you know it's it's sometimes hard to divorce your own knowledge from that but i think from the doctor's perspective mm. you know your song is ending could mean a lot of things you know yeah right and especially that now he's heard it you know, from someone with a psychic ability that's completely devoid of, you know, I mean this, so we're on earth in the present day, whereas the last time you heard it was, you know, what, 5,100 or something, you know, whatever, like the far future, right. right. Yeah. You know, thousands of years into the future, right. From a different race of weird, Right. The Uter kind of weird. So you could just dismiss it as they're speaking in riddles and everything. Right. Right. So there's, Right. So you get this second, you know, sort of independent confirmation of this ending song, whatever that means. Um, and yeah, there's, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, mm. um, all of that to say, there's still plenty of mystery to be had. Um, and a couple of, and a couple of specials at least ahead that, yeah. you know, those could play out in. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh and and, be, and beyond perhaps yeah, I, yeah. You know, i'm not necessarily saying they have to be resolved in those yeah. next few things um any I other have, final have, things about the doctor i do one more thing i do want to mention the the stuff about i mean we get like the doctor parallel with christina with all the the stealing in the episode that you get you finally get the line in New Who about the fact that he stole the TARDIS, mm. um, which is something that was occasionally brought up in the classic show. But okay. I'm, 
I'm pretty sure we haven't heard that yet. In no, this, that's in that New was Who. news to me, and I did not yeah. know that it was a part of the classic Who. So yeah, that... well, and and in doing my research, it it seems as though the first Doctor sort of implied that he built it, but they later sort of, you know, backed off on that, and and he and in later incarnations usually say that they stole it. Um, and there's conflicting versions of who or where he stole it from. Um, and apparently the fourth doctor said that it was in for repairs when he, quote, borrowed it on a finder's keeper's basis. Hmm. So, um, so, you know, that is something which is, you know, why or when or how or for what reason we don't know. But it seems pretty consistent that the doctor stole the TARDIS. Gotcha. Um, as, and I do like as far as there's any canon. As this far as is there's canon, this is part of it. Um, and I do like the kind of danger that he plays those lines with. You know, that kind of like he seems a little bit, a little bit dangerous in that moment. You know, that kind of that little blue box. I stole it. You know, he's not going to judge her because he's a thief too. Um, mm. So I kind of like the the hints in those in those lines of something more that we don't really understand yeah um, yeah hmm. very interesting wow well so all of that said um i think just want to bring up i i kind of like the malcolm taylor uh character do you like him? Um, That's good. Yeah. I'm not crazy about him. <laughs> no. I, Another thing I'm not crazy about in this episode. I can't remember where I've seen that actor before. I know yeah. I've seen him in other stuff. He's, he's one in of him the, again. Yeah. He, he, he's one of, one of those guys. He's in what? I'm sorry. I, I said he's a him again. That's what we call a him again. Oh, those, yeah, yeah, Those yeah. people, you recognize their faces, but yeah. you can never remember where you've seen um, them before. And... Uh, the the unit commander there, Magambo or Magumbo mm-hmm. or whatever her name is. Um uh I I asked you before we started recording if she was the same uh person who was with Rose in Turn Left yeah. and you, mm-hmm. you said she was. So and I guess do we get her in any other episodes? I think that's the only one I remember. Those her are the from. only ones, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So No, she wasn't in the other unit was the one with the Santarans, but she wasn't in that. Right. Um, right. Um, and you know, I could take a leave her. I mean, obviously she's kind of a jerk wanting to, you know, kill Taylor shoot, before shoot him in the I, head, <laughs> you know, and, and I think this is, might be another instance similar to what you were kind of saying with Christina, where like, like they're, they seem to be going for something more complex than it actually yeah. works out to be, you know what right. I mean? Like, like, right. cause you want to, you want to, you can see them saying like, Oh, you know, well, she's trying to save the world and she knows there's some evil, but you know that she doesn't actually know that like yeah. she's working on very limited information and you kind of have to wonder yeah. if like, and then this complete switch when the doctor arrives and her salute, you know, I salute you whether you like it or not. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, but you were just about to sacrifice him. Like, yeah. like I just, yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. buy it, lady. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I it just seemed a little, a we little. Don't trust incon- you, Magambo. <laughs> well, and and a little inconsistent in character. Yeah. I didn't. I yeah, didn't, I mean, I guess I didn't take it as like duplicity so much no, as just inconsistent. I guess it's supposed to be following, like. 
following the, the, the rules to the letter rather than the spirit. So like you're supposed to protect earth and that means doing questionable things, you know, but then when the people who you were going to, like you said, the people that there's no sense of any apology that, Oh, I kind of wanted to trap you on that alien planet. It's just like business as usual at the end. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I think that's a chronic issue in this script is ideas that don't really get fully developed um, or fully like the writers and the director and the actors aren't always all on the same page about what they're trying to communicate. Right. You know, right. like the, the script kind of says, seems to say one thing and then sometimes the direction and the acting seems to say something else. Yeah. Um, right. And maybe they were all just so distracted with the, destroyed buses and the sandstorms that <laughs> right. that they got a little bit lost or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, um, but yeah, I, I so you don't like Malcolm Taylor. Huh? No. Uh, occasionally there are th certain things that make me smile, but it's, 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 I, it's a little broad for my taste. Okay. Just a little bit. Um, All right. So, yeah. Well, there we have it. Um, <laughs> On that kind of disappointing note. <laughs> yeah, I well, you know, we've already sort of said... Hey, well, no, tell me why you like him. Let's end on a positive note. <laughs> I don't know. I think he's just, you know, I don't know. <laughs> he He's, I guess, more just he seems genuine and he stands up, you know, and doesn't yeah. let Magambo... Yeah. You know, uh, like he kind of he kind of knows that she can't really shoot him, you know, because he's the only one who knows to close down the wormhole. So, like, right. you know that she's not. And I guess that's where I find like. Maybe that's why I don't like her getting away from actually talking about him. Yeah. Maybe that's why I don't like her is because, you know, she's not going to shoot him because she can't like if right, her right, if right. her whole you know, intention is to shut down the, the, right. Then they're never going to be able to shut it. Yeah. Yeah. Like that just doesn't make, and it seems to me like the director of unit or even a local, you know, unit person yeah. would know that more yeah. than she seems to be, um, yeah. Yeah. Implying. So I, I guess that's what, like, she doesn't seem to have much subtlety, but like he, yeah. and not he that calls, he calls her bluff. Yeah. And, and not that, well, that's the thing. I'm not even sure he's calling a bluff. I think, like, I get more of a, he's just a genuine person. Like, right. like he doesn't have any subtlety either, but that's because he's right. like, he, like, he's just like, I guess. He's going down with the ship. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's just aghast at the idea that anyone would betray the doctor. So I think it's just yeah. his, his actual genuineness that yeah. I like, yeah. you know, as, as a, as a character and a person and, and just sort of that. You know, the doctor's, oh, you're my new best friend. And he's like, oh, me too. Yeah. You know, just like his exuberance at, yeah. at no, I talking do like, to the doctor and, and being, you know, someone who the doctor appreciates as well. Yeah. No, I do like the kind of how much of a fanboy he is. Yeah. Like, the, you know, because that's kind of what he is. It's like he's the person. Absolutely. He's read all the unit files. It's kind of like he's watched every episode of Doctor Who and he loves the doctor. And he's <laughs> so excited. You know, it's kind of mm -hmm. like. And the doctor even kind of says, like, oh, which one was your favorite? You know, like, he kind of plays to it that way. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, no, there are definitely moments that make me smile. And then there's times where the 
the the broad physical comedy I think is over egged a little bit. Um but well there's no accounting for taste. <laughs> that is true. Um so you know anyway that being said, I you know, I think I think I'm with you overall on Pardo on this episode. It it you know a lot of it was sort of throwaway. We get some good stuff, but yeah, you know, it, it's kind of like, like I think it's indicative that we spent most of our time talking about like a couple minutes of it, and the rest of it is less. It's just not that important, you know. Like mm-hmm. most of the discussion is based on like the last five minutes of the episode. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and that kind of it's like, well, there's good stuff to talk about. It's just it's, it's a shame that it's only in a couple minutes, you know, mm-hmm. um, you kind of wish that they'd find ways to sort of make that more sort of uh, throughout the episode, I guess. Right. Um, but yep. Well, but they didn't. And we're on to a new episode for next week. So. Yes. And, and, a, 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 in my opinion, a, a vastly improved, um, m- both in terms of its importance in terms of the plot and also in terms of the quality all around. So, yeah. Um, but before that, in a couple minutes, I do want to, um, bring something up. Um, so between, so this aired in April, and then the next one wasn't until November. Um, but in between there, there was a season of the Sarah Jane Adventures going on. Mm. And uh, they had this episode called The Wedding of Sarah Jane Smith. Um, and David Tennant made a cameo as the doctor um, in a two-part episode, um, which was interestingly also written by Gareth Roberts. Um, and... I kind of just wanted to watch it because I'd never seen it before. And I thought since we're kind of following the doctor's arc, you know, we haven't broken away to do any Torchwood episodes because it doesn't have a lot to do with the doctor. Like it has a lot to do with Jack, you know, or with Martha, but it doesn't really impact the doctor's story all that much. Um, Mm -hmm. But since this featured the doctor, I thought, well, yeah, I better watch it. Um, so, you know, and it, it it is obviously a Sarah Jane adventure story. It's more about Sarah, you know, it's following her plot. Um, and the Doctor's more of a cameo, I guess. But there's a few things in it which are interesting. The whole thing has kind of like a sad sort of mournful tone to it. And in the end, I thought it was actually pretty moving. You know, it, it mm. ends kind of... Like, there's a lot in there, themes of, uh, the wedding does not work out, so I'll say that. So, there's a lot of themes of, of loss and death and all these Mm. things that we've been kind of, you know, mortality, these things that we've been thinking about and self-sacrifice and things like that. Um, but there's a couple specific things which I thought, you know, lines which stuck out to me, um, uh, the the doctor meets this character called the Pantheon, but he's just a single character. So he says, you know, you're a bit lonely for a Pantheon. And so, so, so he says the man who has lost everybody to talk to me of loneliness when the gate is waiting for you. So again, another little ominous 
bit of, and the doctor, what do you mean? Like, he doesn't know what's going on. So mm -hmm. we're getting, again, more prophecies and more sense of things to come and everything. Sure. Um, uh, and the, the end um, ends with Sarah and the doctor in the TARDIS. And, um, uh, you know, she's had this kind of, sad end to what she thought was going to be a marriage um and mm. so the doctor's sort of dropping her off back at home and um she so the dialogue goes like this she says is this the last time i'm ever going to see you and the doctor kind of gives this long pregnant pause and then he says i don't know um i hope not and then she says bye doctor until next time uh, and he says, don't forget me, Sarah Jane. And she says, no one's ever going to forget you. And they kind of smile at each other. But then as she's leaving, the camera just sort of stays on him and sort of lingers. And he doesn't look very happy. And then the door shuts and he flies away. So it has this kind of ambiguous and sort of very poignant ending. Um, and it also, I've kind of looked up on YouTube, it, there, a lot of that dialogue uh, is echoes of the when Sarah Jane left back in the 70s um, mm. with, with the fourth doctor. As she's leaving, she says to him, don't forget me. And he says, oh, Sarah, don't you forget me. Um, and then she leaves and he says, yes, till we meet again, Sarah. Um, so it like a lot of this kind of echoing, yeah, reoccurring dialogue, but with the roles flipped a little mm -hmm. bit, you know? Um, so, you know, the last five minutes at least, you know, make the rest of the episode worth it. Um, but the rest of the episode was very good too. So I'm glad I watched it. Um, but I just wanted to bring that up because I think even though they had the doctor make kind of a fun cameo on, you know, what is in quotes, the kids spinoff. Um, yeah. They, they're still using it to, play into his larger arc and advance the character. And, you know, it's not just pretending that the regular doctor plot isn't going on as well. Right. Um, right. So, uh, for anybody who hasn't seen it, I recommend you go look it up and give it a look. And also I'm sure it was nice in 2009 to have at least a couple minutes of the doctor in between seven months of waiting. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, um, yeah. when we come back, it will be November, uh, quite a the jump. autumn special. Yeah. And, and maybe we can put ourselves in the frame of mind of the chill in the air that comes with November and everything. So. Ah, okay. Well, we have a week to do that. So until yeah. then, I guess. Thankfully we'll, uh... we don't actually have to wait till November. Yeah, right. Exactly. And, um, so, as we've already mentioned a couple times, we're also coming back with a whole new series to enjoy in yes. the form of Angel. Yes. So. Yeah. Well, Very we'll, exciting. we'll have all of that next week. So. All right. See you then.